afternoon and welcome to the channel final bell on the rural radio network as we broadcast today from tucson arizona and water street's edge conference that is underway another drop scene within this grain complex we're going to dive into one of the biggest factors that we see affecting the trade and i'm sure a little bit of outside market influence as well and i'm excited to have sitting right next to me the one, the only, Darren Fry, who is putting this huge event on. That's such a great opportunity for, for our producers to kind of get the insights of not only just what's happening in the markets, but just agriculture in general. And I want to do a quick little plug for Edge. Well, thanks, Susan, for being here. We really appreciate you and, and the others for coming. We uh, have had a great gathering this year. And um, obviously, listening to David Cole, Jolene Brown, Arlen Sudeman, those have been some of the highlights. But just the growers being able to meet other growers from other areas where they can network and share what's working, what's not working, and just meet new people that they have that camaraderie with. So that's been excellent to watch that unfold. It's been interesting, too, as uh, during the break times, everybody's checking out, seeing what the markets are going to do. And I think the biggest comment I heard today is, what the heck is going on in these soybeans? So we're going to start there. Yeah, the soybeans, you know, we've had some downgrades in the Brazilian crop, but it's not enough. So we need to get into that 140 area, maybe even below 140 for the market to be concerned about, okay, now we've declined enough. We're going to see a result for exports for the United States and get that balance sheet a little bit tighter. So the moisture, the, mo the recent moisture, the forecast still a little on the wet side, uh, not helping. Funds are now net short soybeans, so they keep selling, and we saw more of that here today. Is there the export potential that's there, though, not fully knowing where this crop numbers are going to be? I think we could see more exports uh, for Sinograin. I mean, they're putting that in reserve, and they like our beans or Argentinian beans. We know Argentine beans are out of the market until they get to March, April, May time frame. But um, outside of the privates buying, uh, it's Sinograin. We just don't see a lot going on right now unless Brazil would get into a delayed harvest. Then we could see some really good exports into March. You hate to wish ill upon somebody, but it sure be nice to see some positives coming our way for our growers who've got you know, beans in the bin and, and corn in the bin as well. No, that's right. You don't want to wish harm on anyone, but they have had such erratic weather down there. And we think after this moisture is done in the middle of the month, it's going to roll back warmer and drier. And if it does, just remember 40% of the beans planted in November down there, 17 in December. Those are planted kind of everywhere, but they'll need moisture all the way through the middle of March. And so if they go back warm and dry, there'll be more yield declines coming. What about for the fact that this, this Safrina corn crop, I mean, I heard there was some concerns that if it stays too wet and there's a delay, there could be some big issues. Yeah, that's right. You want to get that corn crop planted uh, really no later in February 20th, let's say the end of the month at the latest. And so if we would swing from, hey, it's been super dry and now it's super wet, you know, getting three, four inches a week and they delay the harvest and can't get in the field for Safrina, that's a huge problem. I don't see that in the forecast, but that would be the outlier and that would be an issue. What about, let's look at uh, just happenings here in the U.S. Uh, we've got some geopoliticals that continue to happen. We've got transportation issues. I continue to hear, and Eric Snodgrass brought it up yesterday, the, the low water levels on the Mississippi River. There's a lot of factors that are working in just to our opportunities. Yeah, there is. I mean, between the Mississippi River levels and what's happened in the Panama Canal, that's been somewhat of a... Um, Debbie Downer and a plague on our export business. But I do see some of the, the moisture moving through, helping the Mississippi. Uh, that's not the case in the Panama Canal. They're entering the dry season. But that has hurt our exports. But fortunately, we've been taking a lot out of the P&W. And so we've seen some pretty good exports over the past, you know, let's say 8 to 12 weeks. Now, this week was certainly disappointing on the sales report, but it was a reflection of the holiday trade and four-day week. And so I wouldn't put a lot of stake in that. I wouldn't count on that being lower 
next week or the week after. I think things will rebound, but the trend is what we have to watch in exports. I'd say the shining star of the grain complex today is this wheat. Yeah, the wheat market, you know, uh, even though I had a lower weekly close, it did turn for higher here on Thursday. Had a really nice low down that 590 area of Chicago March wheat. And I look for it to go higher. So pullbacks are for buying, I think, in the Chicago contract. Kansas City, Minneapolis, their stocks are a little higher, their inventory. So they don't look as strong. But I think if Chicago leads us out of here, the others follow. What are your thoughts on it as we look at this month of January and kind of focusing on where we could possibly see this grain market going? Is there the potential we kind of maybe hit a bottom low for a little bit? You know, I think there is in the wheat market. Now we have the USD report coming up this next week. And Obviously, they could throw us a curveball that sends markets even lower. But this 1250 area of soybeans versus March, the 450, 460 area of corn versus March, those are good areas for the market to turn. That doesn't mean we'll see it ahead of the USDA report, but the USDA report could be the catalyst that sends the funds short covering, and that would score a bottom. That is possible. Well, this USDA report is, is huge. This is what we've been talking about for three, four months. Just wait till January. Wait till January. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm expecting that we could see the corn lower. That's just based on our client base. Uh, we have yields that are comparable to last year, but about three-quarters of a bushel under. The USDA is sitting a couple bushel above last year's yield. So could we see a decline? I think it's possible. I'm not predicting that. But certainly on the soybeans, our client base is about eight-tenths of a bushel better than last year, which would mean they'd have to raise the bean yield in January. So do those things happen? We'll have to wait and see. But on Friday, we'll know. But I think that'll be a big turning point if these markets are to go higher. Now, Jeremy, we have a first full week of 2024 trading coming next week with this report that you talk about on Friday. At what point do we start to see positioning working into the daily trade? Well, you got index uh, rolling and index reallocations going on starting next week. And so you got the report. I think there could be uh, some really optimistic things happen that turn us higher. In the counts, if you look at Elliott Wave, you look down on the charts, we've kind of reached all those downside targets. So uh, I'm not bearish from these levels. They're certainly not the catalyst to turn bullish yet, uh, but I certainly wouldn't be a seller down here. I'd be waiting for higher prices. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more as we get ready to come around here for the second half of today's channel final bell. Wrapping up the first Friday trading action of 2024. We'll come back. We'll wrap up some happenings within the grain complex. Maybe talk a little geopolitical. That's been a topic here at Edge taking place in Tucson, Arizona. And we'll also look at what's been happening on the livestock side. A quick glance at that. Uh, cattle ended up negative, but guess the shocker. Hogs a second day in a row with some positive numbers. More is coming up. Stick around. It's the Channel Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. A Best of Both Worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. ARVN. Welcome back here to the channel Final Bell. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Again, we are in Tucson, Arizona for Water Street's Edge. And that's who's joining me right now is Darren Fry again as we continue with the second half. We were talking, obviously, in, in the front half about what was happening weather-wise with, with South America. And we know that's been a huge market discussion on and off the last couple of months. This Safrina corn crop, though, you and I were talking during the commercial break, could lead to some, some good export potential for the United States. Yeah, I really believe so. I think it'll be something unfolds over time, but... 
you know, they've had challenges down there ever since they started planting soybeans back in September. Those challenges were hotter, drier weather. And now we have that pattern rolling back into that same condition. I don't know if it will be that severe again. But, you know, they don't have a lot of soil reserves built up. We know that the crop is somewhat delayed in some of those areas coming off. And planting on time is so critical. So if they get pushed, if we see uh, on planting dates or they have less area, I think that's going to open us up to a lot more exports. And I would not count on that crop being the 125 or 120 everybody thinks. I think it could be closer to 100 million metric tons. And that really makes our situation a lot better. We have plenty of carry out on corn. We, we'd like to sell 400 million bushels to someone. And we might find out that, that that someone is a China or other people that need it around the world. But I do think we're going to have some opportunities to have better exports as we move into 24 here. I think it's been a kind of a frustration as well for, for folks that we're so used to China popping up in our export weekly report, and we haven't seen a lot from them. No, we haven't. Other than, you know, they bought a lot of sorghum, they bought soft red winter wheat, and, and other than that, you know, they've, they've done some flash sales on soybeans, but we haven't really seen much out of them for corn. Someone says that there's a little bit of economic turmoil, shall we say, going on in China, and that might be part of the factor. Obviously, the, the grain is cheaper coming out of South America, but what are you hearing when it comes to the geopoliticals from that? Well, I think they do have, have some economic challenges, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But they, they will have to deal with that and see if they can get their ship righted. But I think if you look at, at what's going on out in South America, they sold too much corn. We've seen corn prices rise above 6 and then above 650 in the March futures down there. And they just don't have the, the, the corn now to feed and, and use domestically. So I think they, like, oversold from last year. And so that's why I think we're the only game in town until we get to June or July when we see Argentinian corn come online as well as the Brazilian safrina crop. Which is okay for us. It's okay for us. Just remember that first crop that's going to start being harvested in Brazil, that's usually for domestic use, and that'll be around 25 million metric tons. It's the safrina crop that is our competition, and that could be severely reduced if we don't see weather go right. Let's switch over to the livestock side, and, and I, it's nice to see some green Two days in a row for this hog market. I mean, th these producers have just had one struggle after another. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and the hog situation is not good. We need to have a smaller herd, and we just haven't culled enough. But we were looking for a low somewhere down here in the low 60s. And we had a big reversal yesterday, and we saw follow through into Friday. And, and I think you could probably call a bottom in this. And if that is the case, we're going to grind higher into at least the, the May-June time frame, in my opinion. And, we could get up to 80, 85 at a minimum, as high as 94. And that would be a place to really put on a lot of hedges and, and really get protected because I do see another down lake coming after that. But for right now, I'm looking up. I want to see more to the upside. But I like hogs and cattle both for kind of a bullish trend here over the next two, three months at least. Well, speaking of cattle, the, we've got that inventory report that's coming up. That's really going to break down where we're at herd number-wise. And some say that this is going to be the catalyst that – this market's been waiting for to try to react? Well, you know, I, I know the herd continues to contract. I don't see how we're going to rebuild that anytime soon. But the longer-term charts, I do think we're going to rally cattle. I think 180, 185 is where we're going to go in the Feb in April and June. We're going to push up over the next two to three months. But after that, I'm bearish again. And I know that doesn't fit fundamentally. But if you think about maybe a recession or demand issues or spendable cash, you know, expendable cash, I mean, maybe we're just going to not have the demand where we need it, and that's what's going to get the cattle market into trouble. But um, I'm bullish for the next three months in cattle, maybe the next five in pork. Let's see what happens. 
this negativity that's been happening in the feedstuffs, there's got to be some benefits in there for these livestock producers. Oh, definitely. And, and hopefully uh, they can capture um, some value out of that. Well, so this whole week I've been, uh, this last little bit of, of the Channel Final Bell, I've been asking questions about what do you see as the one thing you want to watch this next quarter or even the next two months in either grain or livestock? Actually, it's not neither. I want to see the dollar break. I mean, I think if the dollar breaks, it's just tailwind to everything. And uh, we got to break down critical support. we got to start moving the dollar lower. Uh, we rebounded some this last week off the lows, but I'd like to see that low from this week go. And if we do, then I think we can have some nice up moves in our markets. And that, again, will affect what we see in both grain and livestock eventually. Oh, absolutely. It'll help us with exports around, around the horn. Well, as always, a great conversation with you. And, and folks that want to find out more information or have a conversation with you or, or your, your staff, how do they go about it? You can call us toll-free in our office at 866-249-2528 or look me up on Twitter at Fry, that's F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. All right, you don't want to miss that. Make sure you're following Darren because he's always got some great information that's being shared through Twitter, which is now known as X. That is today's channel final bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The channel final bell is brought to you by Channel Seed and their professional dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. That's the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network.